What Not the Podcast, Pastor Wolfmuller here. Here's a bonus edition. It's uh, it's Sunday today, April the 3rd, year of our Lord, 2022. Here's today's edition of the Sunday Drive Home, discussing uh, today's Bible passage. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, YouTube theologians. Welcome to Austin, Texas. How do I know you're in Austin, you say? Uh, because everyone apparently is in Austin driving north on I-35. Glad you could join me. <laughs> this is the Sunday drive home. What a day today, by the way. Oh, notice Luther being mangled by the ladder ball from the church picnic. Uh, I'm undefeated at ladder ball, by the way, which I think is, I don't think you have to say undefeated. I think you can just say I'm feated at ladder ball. I think the double negative prefixes are unnecessary. Like, you wouldn't say undestroyed, you would just say roid. <laughs> okay, to the business at hand. It's Holy Tuesday, I'm in Luke chapter 20 today, and Jesus destroyed the temple, pow! And the Pharisees say, well, hey, how come you can do that? By what authority do you do these things? And, uh, and Jesus says, I'll tell you, if you answer me one question, by whose authority was John's baptism? And he's got them there. They go into their committee. I love this answer by committee. It reminds me of like a political debate prep team where you say, uh, how are we going to answer this? How should we answer? And, they, and it even tells you what their whole thoughts were. They're like, well, we can't say that John's baptism was from was from heaven because then Jesus would say why didn't you believe him that's the question from whose baptism was whose authority did John baptize we can't say that we can't say it's from man because the people think John's a prophet and uh, <laughs> and then they'll kill us can you that's very interesting that the the people were so convinced in John's prophetic office that the Pharisees think that their lives were at risk if they were to deny John's prophetic office. That's that's kind of an amazing thing to think about for the for the how things were working out theologically. Anyway, what did they say? We don't know. So Jesus says, "Well, I'm not going to tell you either, but I am going to tell you this parable." And then he tells him this parable of the unfaithful tenants. This is a really interesting parable, a really amazing parable for me. This parable was one of the places that the Lord helped kind of loosen up my dispensationalism. The idea that God has two plans for two unique peoples and there's the, uh, he has his earthly people, the Jewish people with an earthly plan and he has his heavenly people, the church with a heavenly plan. So this parable helped me because Jesus is saying it to the Pharisees and they know it. In fact, after Jesus tells the parable, they say it can't be. So here's the parable. There's a man who has a vineyard and he plants it and then he leases it to farmers. And these farmers are to tend to the vineyard, to profit from the vineyard, but to share the profits with the landowner. They're leasing it after all, so they've got lease payments. So after a long while, it says in the Greek, oh, I think in the English it says it too, after a certain amount of time or after a sufficient time, he sends a servant to collect the 
lease payment, the fruit. And instead of paying up, they beat the tar out of the guy and send him back. Now it's something that they send him back too because they're saying to the to the landowner, look, we've got no respect for you. So he sends another servant and they do the same thing. Even worse, they treat him shamefully. So he sends a third servant and they do the same again. They beat him up. And then this landowner does the crazy thing. Remember when we're reading the when we're reading the parables, we're looking for the surprise. Sometimes there's not a surprise, but almost always there's a surprise. There's a twist. There's someone who does something that we wouldn't normally do. And here's the first twist. It's that this landowner says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my son. In fact, there's two things about this that are really quite shocking. He says, I'm going to send my beloved son. So it emphasizes the love of the father for the son. And then it, he emphasizes his unsureness of the plan. Perhaps they will respect him. Perhaps. Don't you want to be sure about that? So he sends a son to collect the now this is all by the way this is the Lord and the servants are the prophets and the landowners are the scribes and Pharisees and those who are to be ruling with the Lord's word and so he sent the prophets and the prophets were all rejected and so the Lord decided to send his son and he also is going to be rejected and here Jesus gets into the logic of it they say well let us here's the heir let us kill him so that we'll get the inheritance. Which doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, how have you ever thought, like, hey, look at that guy, he's pretty rich. Maybe if I kill his kids, I'll be the inheritor. That's not how that works. You kill the kids, you go to prison. Let's kill the kids so we become the heir. What? But sin never makes sense. There's never a sin where you're like, well, that was a good idea. So they kill the son, crucify him. And then Jesus says the landowner will come and he'll destroy, in Matthew, those miserable wretches and give the vineyard to another. They lose their office. It can't be, they say. And then Jesus, you know, normally there's a punchline, but Jesus follows up with this parable with two more punchlines. So first punchline, he'll, he'll destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to another. And it's clear. I mean, there's no, it's not like, you know, sometimes the parables are to hide things from people. Jesus says, so that hearing you can't understand. And, but not this one. This is pretty, they, they understand just exactly what Jesus is saying. 
So that's the first punchline. And then the second punchline is Psalm 118, this beautiful verse. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. Why is it marvelous in our eyes? And then the and then the third punchline, which is those who fall on the rock will be broken. Those on whom the rock falls will be crushed. That's a riddle. So Jesus ends the whole thing with a riddle. And then, just so we don't miss the fact that the Pharisees didn't miss what Jesus was saying, it says they wanted to seize him right then, but they were afraid of the crowds. So they started sending in spies to try to, acting friendly, to try to catch Jesus in his words. Now let's think of these two, this third, second and third conclusion to the parable. Uh, let's do first the Psalm 118. This Psalm 118 is the second most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And it is beautiful because the picture is of a, a stonemason. Have you ever seen these guys work? There's a bunch of limestone around here. Can you guys see in the background all the limestone? And if you ever see someone working the limestone, there's a pile of rocks that can't come from the quarry. And uh, the builders go and they look where they need a rock. And then they go and they grab a rock from the pile. And then they have a hammer. And so they chip the rock, bink, bink, bink. And they make it to where it's just the right size. And then they put it on there. Maybe they've got some concrete that they're using or some masonry. Or maybe they're just fitting the rocks together and they're fitting them together. Go get another rock, knock it off, ding, 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 ding. So you got the rocks, but they, they say there's a rock that just isn't gonna be suitable for use in building, then you throw it into the trash heap. There's rejected sto stones that are rejected. They're just, use them for fill or whatever. Well, the Lord says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now the cornerstone is the most important stone of all. When you're when you're laying the foundation, you've got to look for that perfect stone that goes in the corner because from the cornerstone comes the level and all the angles of the wall and everything. That cornerstone is what holds it, holds all the pieces together. And so the parable is the builders were building and they saw the stone and they thought it's good for nothing. So they threw it into the trash heap and the Lord grabbed it and used it to become the cornerstone. That's Jesus. And he's saying to the Pharisees, you're the builders. I'm the stone. You're rejecting me. God will choose me and use me as the cornerstone of his new house. So there's going to be two houses. The house that the Pharisees build and the house that God builds on Jesus. And the question then comes to us, which house will we live in? Now, there's a danger here, right? Because we, we look at the Pharisees and we're like, ah, oh, Pharisees, they are a bunch of uh, jerks, you know? Those Pharisees so full of themselves. So proud. They just love themselves. And they were their own projects. They embraced this kind of, what do we have now? This 
this this pagan idea that our life is about being our most authentic self. They they just had that with the uh, veneer of Moses. They were building a home to their own righteousness, a monument to their own goodness. Curators of their own self-righteous image. Which is why they have to reject Jesus. Jesus is a rebuke to every form of self-righteousness, self-justification, self-invention, self-creation self-expression, self-curved-innedness. And it turns out that each one of us has a little Pharisee living in our own hearts. It's all about it. I mean, we're programmed by our fallen sinful flesh to be all about this business of self-righteousness, building our own house, and Jesus doesn't fit. He is a stone that does not fit in the wall of your self-righteousness. So the only choice the Pharisee has is to throw him out. Otherwise, you have to tear down the wall and start over. So we get to the riddle. Those who fall on the stone are broken. Those on whom the stone falls are crushed. two choices with Jesus are either to fall upon him in repentant faith, a broken and contrite spirit, these, O God, you will not despise, or if we continue building this idol to ourselves, for the stone to fall on us and be crushed. In judgment. Those are the only two options. So we come to him as living stones built into his holy temple. We we give up this vain attempt to build this kind of 
monument to ourselves and our own goodness and our own whatevers. And we come by faith to this temple built by God, made without hands, holy in the heavens, to the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, the blood of Jesus that cries out for mercy and forgiveness and peace. <laughs> That's our hope. Jesus the rock of our salvation. May God grant it for Christ's sake. Sunday drive home. Hey, before I let you go, I've been doing a podcast every day. Woo! Lent up early. Wednesday, what not, the podcast. Uh, I'm going to put the link in the description. Well, I'm probably going to forget, so someone remind me. After someone reminds me, I'm going to put the link in the description. And if you're a podcasty kind of folk, then uh, you can subscribe to that. It's a daily podcast with a little devotion and I answer a question from you on the internet. So I've got something like 17,000 questions from you all and I thought that if I answer one a day, maybe the Lord will extend my life and I'll get to all of them. Uh, anyway, you can send more. <laughs> See how long I can live. Uh, but that's been a lot of fun actually. Uh, this Lent. It's been a good discipline. It's got me uh, up a little early, which is always good too. Uh, time to read and reflect and think about things. So I commend that to you. So Lent up early, the Wednesday whatnot, the podcast. Uh, so if you're a, if you like the podcast, subscribe. And it looks like this YouTube channel is about to hit 20,000 subscribers. It seems like a lot. I had my goal when I started of uh, seven. I remember, in fact, when uh, when I first started doing the YouTubes, I'd made like one video to share with someone else years ago, and then I'd never really done it. I'd never posted anything publicly, uh, except maybe like one, maybe two videos. And so Daniel and I were doing it at the very beginning as a project, and um, I was looking at what it uh, what it would take to monetize. I had a theory, and I think you can't find any information on this theory, but I think I've proved it true that, you know, you have to have a certain levels of engagement to be able to monetize, and uh, uh, and I think that YouTube promotes the videos that are monetized more than they promote the videos that are not. It makes sense, right? Because that's how they make money. And so I thought, well, if I could monetize, then YouTube would help promote the videos more. And so I looked in it. You have to have, I think at the time you had to have... Uh, a thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours. And I showed Daniel, I said, look, Daniel, we've got 115 subscribers and we've got we've got over four thousand watch, we've got four thousand and twenty watch hours. And he was looking at it and he said, Really? Let me see. And he looked and he says, Dad, that's four thousand minutes. <laughs> I was so excited. I went from Here's it is a sign language. I went from to <laughs> anyway. We got there. 
Now 20,000, that's cool. So if you're not subscribed, you could jump in. You could be the 20,000th subscriber. I don't know what kind of thing you win for that, but I'm sure it's good. Anyway, if you sign up for Wednesday Whatnot, you can win a free book every month. I gotta do that, it's April, man. That's probably enough commercials. Hey, thanks you guys for being part of the fun. God's peace be with you.